0: 400, Logan. 400. 400. Congrats. Thanks, sir. 400th rip of TFTC. Think we'll get 400 more? Sure. Sure. Love your confidence there, Logan. <laughs> I sat down with Sovereign, bro. Blew up on the interwebs recently for some comments he made on a podcast. And he's a bitcoiner talked about the culture war it was brought to you by our good friends of river river is a bitcoin exchange built by bitcoiners for bitcoiners uh, if you buy bitcoin on, on river and you hold it on river uh it'll be in a multi-sig wallet with 100 reserves backing it river doesn't leverage any trusted third parties they built their exchange they built their wallet infrastructure they build their coding libraries they build everything they're bitcoin only company their are they're able to build everything because they're focused on bitcoin and bitcoin services you can hold your bitcoin on river they recommend you take it off and custody it in a wallet that you control they have blog posts on their site that will help you do that on top of that they have uh, the ability to send and receive bitcoin via lightning uh, on the app so if you want to pay lightning invoices from your river account you can do that uh, if you need to quickly send bitcoin to river over lightning you can do it that way uh, on top of that they have river lightning services which is an api which allows you to build apps on the lightning network using uh, rivers api uh should note if you set up a dca on river you're not gonna pay any fees on that go to river.com tftc sign up using that ref link and uh you're gonna get some benefits from it river.com tftc this trip is also brought to you by our good friends at unchained capital unchained capital is here with a new Inheritance protocol, I keep wanting to say retirement. Once the retirement stuff, they offer an IRA service as well where you can hold Bitcoin in an IRA in a multi-sig wallet where you control the keys. But they have a new inheritance protocol. If you're a Bitcoiner out there, you worry what's going to happen if, God forbid, anything happens to me. Like, how are my loved ones going to get my Bitcoin? Unchain is set up this inheritance protocol to make sure that your loved ones get your Bitcoin if, if something happens to you uh, at some point in the future. Uh so go check it out. Go to unchained.com consultation, set up for consultation either for their vault or their inheritance protocol, use the code TFTC, you'll get fifty dollars off uh the vault setup consultation. This trip is also brought to you by good friends at Crowd Health are here to help change the way you pay for your health care. Health insurance is notoriously opaque, expensive, uh, and impersonal. Crowd Health changes that. It's not health insurance. You pay a monthly fee. Goes to a dedicated bank account. If you ever have a medical event, you go get your bill, bring it to Crowd Health. They negotiate it lower. Uh, you pay the first five hundred dollars of that bill. Then it gets crowdfunded by the rest of the Crowd Health community. A hundred percent of bills to date have been paid. Can't guarantee that moving forward, but the model seems to be working. Uh, Crowd Health is a healthier community. There are some metrics that need to be hit to be allowed into the Crowd Health model. Um, so this means that most people are relatively healthy compared to uh, the average populace which lowers healthcare costs for the entire community so go to joincrowdhealth.com tftc sign up you'll get 99 dollars a month for the first six months joincrowdhealth.com tftc last but not least this trip was brought to you by bitcoin talentco uh, if you're one of the individuals that's unfortunately laid off in this tech layoff wave And you've been wanting to get into bitcoin go to bitcointalent.co reach out to the team there it's a recruiting firm they've got some of the best bitcoin companies in the space lined up looking to place talent and bitcoin talent co Uh, is here to facilitate that if you're a company looking to get some of the best talent bitcoin talent co is also the place to go sign up with an account there um they'll personalize uh your search they'll make sure they have materials to educate potential um, talent with what you do and th- they're Bitcoiners most importantly you should know it's built by Bitcoiners so they understand the difference between uh, what an unchained needs versus what a strike needs they know lightning Network. they know multi they know um, key distribution, all that stuff they're experts on Bitcoin so they, they actually know what you need and how to find it so to go to bitcointalent.co if you're looking for a job or if you're looking to hire tell them the TFTC sent you and enjoy this rip. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts.
1: So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be.
0: Probably should, be. Probably should be. Yeah, so snow in California, covering the mountains for the first time in decades.
1: Yep. Also snowed in uh, people's backyards throughout Southern California. Feels like a sign from God, bro.
0: That's what I was going to say. You were saying this feels like a sign.
1: It does, dude. It does. It was last week was really weird. Uh, everything exploded with those clips and stuff. And the timing of it all was super crazy. It happened on 222, which has been a that has been a number that's followed me around in like very divine, synchronistic ways for years and everything's popping off. And I'm like, holy crap, I feel like I'm on this like roller coaster of social media. So many things are happening at once and in my family life as well. And then I just wake up one morning and the mountains are covered in snow for the first time I've ever seen. And I was like, all right, Lord, what are you doing? This is amazing.
0: (laughs) Why did uh, 222 have the synchronicity throughout your life? What else has happened?
1: Well, so, uh, so I used to be friends with a lot of people in like the new age, occult movement back in like 2017, 2018. And this girl that I was friends with would talk about like angel numbers and stuff. And she'd be like, yeah, when you see angel numbers in your life, repeating numbers, you know, it's angels trying to communicate to you. And I was like, all right, cool, whatever. And, uh,
0: three, five, three, five right behind us.
1: Nice. There you go. And, um, so my, I, I was, I was on a hike one time and while I was on the hike, this guy called out to me, he was like, yo, chase. And I was like yo, like who's calling out to me? There's like nobody around. I was with my cousin at the time. And it was this guy who followed me on Instagram. He's a photographer and we linked up and uh, we started hanging out. And I saw that he had 222 on his license plate. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. And then a few months later, he asked me if I wanted to rent an office with him in downtown Santa Barbara with a bunch of other photographers. And I was like, yeah, sure, That, that sounds cool. So we go to the office and the office has 222 in its address. And I was like, that's weird. There it is again. And while I was working in this office, I started doing a lot of work in wedding photography. And at the time, like I wasn't really committed to the word, right? Like I I wasn't really living my life in full alignment with God's word. And at the time I wanted like a harem of women. I never wanted to like get married or anything like that, but I started to do a bunch of wedding photography and God started to work on my heart and he started to correct like the the sinful desires that I had inside of me. And I kept seeing this number follow me around, 222. And I was like, why does this keep popping up, right? And throughout the Bible, God uses numerology in interesting ways. You see repeating numbers many times throughout the Bible. And I was like, I wonder if there's anything with 222 in the Bible. Look at this. Whoa. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Whoa, what what is that? what's what, the price
0: I... of Bitcoin right now. It's twenty two thousand two hundred
1: ninety seven dollars. Dude, that's a weird synchronicity, bro. <laughs> what just, just happened, bro?
0: Just under wow.
1: twenty two point three. Wow, dude, uh God's moving right now, Marty. God's moving. <laughs> so I, I was like, I was like, all right. So where is there anything about two twenty two in the Bible, right? And I I started looking it up, and and Genesis 2.22 is when God created Eve for Adam, okay? Mm -hmm. And this whole time, you know, God's working on my heart through the work that I'm being brought in wedding photography and engagements and all this stuff. And I just, I, I like, in that moment, I was like, all right, like this nonsense that I have in my mind about never wanting to get married, just having a harem of women someday, making a bunch of money. Like God is trying to communicate to me about this and show me this is not his plan for my life. His plan for my life is, you know, that, that the two become one, right? The two become one flesh as it's described throughout the Bible, right? That's the purpose of marriage. It was, it was designed by God to bring a man and a woman together with God in the center. And, uh, yeah, so I just, I kept seeing that number appear in my life. And then on 222, this, this past week and a half, that was the day when everything exploded on social media with these clips and stuff and i was like dude this is so weird like it's so weird how god keeps using these numbers and another another interesting synchronicity marty numbers 33 and 28 have followed me around for my entire life and uh the, the clips that went viral on social media were from episodes 33 and 28 of the whatever podcast. And I'm just like, what is happening, bro? Like it's so <laughs> crazy. So it was like God's moving, man.
0: I mean, this is still freaking me out. I still can't get this, uh, as you're Dude. describing it, it pops up on the screen.
1: Are randomly. You
0: a yeah. I mean, I grew up Catholic. Um, I got a bit disenchanted from the church still the diddling when i was in college i don't think i would ever i don't think i ever consider myself an atheist but i definitely did not agree with a lot of the stuff that was going on at the church and really began developing a mindset of separating church from the bible um yeah no i believe uh i'm a god-fearing man it's uh something that i haven't been too vocal i've been pretty vocal on this podcast but i try not to like force it down people's throats
1: yeah 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 what's what's your uh what's your goal with this podcast just in general
0: Uh, it started just to teach people about bitcoin but um it's morphed into other things where bitcoin i truly believe to fix a lot of the problems in the world we need to fix the money broken money yeah is the core of a lot of the negative externalities that we see in the world in terms of like but lack of family formation, degenerate culture, um, desperation. I think a lot of that stems from broken money, but it's morphed into tangential topics like the ones we'll probably discuss today uh, that really highlight, hey, here's things that money can fix. Like talked a lot about COVID and the vaccine throughout um, the last three years. Like, hey, you guys are all being PSYOPed right now. Yeah. This potentially wouldn't happen if the government was able to print money and just fund all their shit. Um, We talk about energy a lot. There's a lot of misallocation of capital in the energy sector because Mm -hmm. of uh, the ability to print money and all that shit. And then there's, yeah, sovereignty. I mean, sovereign bra. Um, (laughs) Sovereignty in the digital age. They're trying to force this into this demonic digital panopticon and just trying to highlight topics and, and themes that sort of lead people the other way
1: so where do you want to take today's podcast marty i don't know
0: i'm just sort of just down to go flow with it i mean you did mention you know, so it seems like you've had a massive change in your life where you wanted a haram of women. women uh maybe you were living like a degenerate lifestyle you had this experience taking photos of weddings that and god speaking to you through numerology leading you another way. I think that's one thing I definitely wanted to touch on is I think you're an example of someone who got away from the degenerate culture and is trying to like live a life of virtue. Um, And I feel lucky as an individual. Um, I'm 31. I met my wife and started dating her when I was 21. I was married by 25. We have two kids now. We're going to definitely have a third, not too far in the future. So I feel like I escaped that whole like mid twenties dating culture, dating apps, all that. And I sort of feel lucky now looking back, having a lot of friends that are still uh, immersed in that side of things, like in our early thirties.
1: Yeah. It it wastes a lot of people's time, you know, that's on, on that whatever podcast I try explaining this to so many girls. I'm like, you don't, you don't want to spend your twenties just getting ran through by chads and then like try and settle down and find a good husband when you're in your early thirties, because like by that point in time, you've wasted the prime of your life. And like the, the the studs that a lot of these girls want, like they're not interested in some chick who's ran through in her thirties. Like they're interested in, you know, a younger woman who hasn't been used and abused by a bunch of dudes. And uh, I've been, I think it's uh, Psalm 127.4 that says, like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the children of a man's youth, right? So mm-hmm. the Bible basically describes if you have if if you're a man and you have kids when you're young, the Bible basically describes your kids as artillery uh, to be sent forth into the world, right? Yeah. And uh, I'm I've been super inspired by that, and you know I've listened to Jordan Peterson talk about the importance and the value of marriage. And how it's really at the at the bedrock and the foundation of civilization, and just for a long time, like I, I felt the Holy Spirit speaking to me about the importance of marriage, and it's it's something that's like it's really important, you know, it's really important. And a lot of people, a lot of people, waste their lives and they don't focus on like having kids and and really building something that lasts. And uh, I think it's important to focus on those things, you know.
0: No, and it's something like as a father like i can't imagine a world without my children like I'm, i feel incredibly blessed and happy that i made the decisions that i did when i did to start this journey to get that artillery yeah. as you mentioned um earlier than a lot of people my age
1: how do you feel like being a father has changed your life
0: it's definitely made me more motivated like <laughs> it forces you to grow up real quick um, yeah, I definitely have a drive that I probably didn't have before. I was a big pot smoker. Uh, I probably smoked like an eighth a day for almost a decade. Wow, then, that's a lot. Uh, yeah, and then like two months before my son was born, I I went cold turkey. I've stayed away from it ever since, and I think that's helped me out pretty uh pretty considerably.
1: Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Pots, pots, one of those things that just depletes your drive and your motivation and just kind yeah. of saps you.
0: Yeah. I, I'm not, I can't lie. I have uh indulgent in it a few times since my oldest was born, but yeah, nowhere near where I did uh, before. But yeah. No, it's like, that's like, so like th- this conversation, like this topic of like many people would take and be like, Oh, you're lecturing. Don't lecture me. Don't tell me what to do. Like if I want to, live my 20s the way I want to I should be able to do that but uh, I don't think we're trying to tell the way when I try and frame framing like I don't I'm like talking to friends like hey you should settle down get married have some kids I'm not like trying to force it I really try to highlight like the benefits it's brought my life instead of trying to like shove it down their throats
1: yeah <clears> throat> yeah I, I I'm just I'm just pumped to become a father dude I I, I cannot freaking wait, bro. I had a moment when I was 23 and I was with my friends and, uh, you know, we were, we were like running around on the beach and I was like, man, like it just hit me. I was like, man, I would kill to have like just 10 of my kids with me right now that I could just like pour like my energy and my love into and like raise them, like it's it's. And <clears throat> when I was with my ex-girlfriend, we we broke up in in 2020 over the vaccines and COVID and all that stuff. And she wasn't a believer. I tried bringing her to Christ, but she just like wasn't into it. But while I was with her, like I so frequently had this feeling of like I I really want to have kids with you. Like I I, I loved her so much. I was like, it, it's like not enough for just the two of us to be here together. Like I wanna I wanna create human beings with you and like bring them into the world and i've been I've been super motivated ever since man, and uh, I pray that it can happen sometime soon, you know whenever God feels like I'm ready because it's I can't imagine anything more fulfilling, you know, and I also think like people I do think that people should should have kids like it's from a Christian perspective God commanded us to be fruitful and multiply, but also when you look at the world from a long term perspective and everything that we're dealing with, like that artillery analogy really resonates with me because the more people we have on our side who believe in virtue and goodness and the truth and who are willing to stand up against everything that we're up against the better of a shot we have at winning you know what i mean and it 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 honestly like i think the outlook looks really good for us marty because our opposition they're shooting themselves up with vaccines that are like making them sterile and infertile they're getting propagandized and psyoped into eating fake meat that destroys their fertility. <laughs> right. Like they're, they're and lowers their testosterone. They're like buying into all of this climate change nonsense where they're like, oh, I can't, I shouldn't have kids because it's bad for the world. Like, our opposition is literally getting psyoped out of like stopping breeding. And like, like our side has this opportunity to have as many kids as possible and just like like repopulate the earth and like outbreed them. And I'm like, yo, like we should, we should do this. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. No, it's, it makes me incredibly sad that people have been psyop to such an extent where they just simply don't think they can have kids. They don't think they can afford it. <laughs> it's like incredibly sad. Um, I wasn't too well off when I had my first son. I was, had enough money to, to support the family, but like, I, I don't think, economic situation should perturb people from having children again if anything it will motivate you to to go get more money and to do more productive work and to provide to your family because you get that instinctual feeling as soon as your child's born you're holding your hand you're like oh shit I have to fucking provide and you go yeah and you figure out how to do it
1: yeah I would imagine it sharpens your focus real quickly
0: oh yeah it does that's why I'm so focused, like, I mean, I was very focused on Bitcoin before my oldest son was born, but, um, again, doubled, tripled down after, but again, bringing this back to like Bitcoin specifically, that's why I'm so passionate about it because I want more people to not have those worries. Like, oh, can I have a kid? The world seems like it's getting worse. I'm working a job, not making enough money. I truly think that a lot of this stems from the money problem. You go all the way back to the seventies when Nixon ripped us off the gold standard, sent both parents into the workforce, and that I think that's when you have material the beginning of the material degradation of the nuclear family here in America particularly.
1: Yeah, I assume you've been to that website WTF happened in nineteen seventy one. Oh yeah. 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 It's it's pretty insane. For people that are watching that are unfamiliar what is it WTF 1971.com or is it WTF happened in 1971.com
0: WTF happened in 1971.com I know the uh the two gentlemen that uh that own that site I don't know if they sold it I think they still own it but yeah um Ben and Colin a couple Bitcoiners
1: um, nice yeah the data for people that are watching the data is insane like you, they've compiled like statistics and graphs of like every metric of our society's health. And like all of them just completely fall apart after 1971, when they decoupled the dollar from the gold standard. And, uh, I I would love to hear more from you on, on this subject, like how you think the degradation of our money has destroyed our society. Cause it's something, it's something I'm passionate about, but like, I haven't spent a lot of time really trying to articulate and I see the effects of it clearly, but like I, and, and I've read, you know, the Bitcoin standard and, uh, safety namu or however you pronounce his name. Like he just nailed it with describing how, you know, destroying money destroys your society. But I'd, I'd be curious to hear more about it in your, your own words.
0: I mean, again, it touches everything. I like going back to what I said earlier, particularly with funding at the academic level. Um, we'll just focus on education. Like if you can print money ex hello, uh, and allocate it towards certain activities, you're going to begin to corrupt those markets. So like a university system, uh, as soon as you open up the spigots to, to free loans uh, for uh, college, people are going to go take those loans out. The colleges know those loans are going to be issued, so you're going to jack their prices up. Uh, and then they get complacent. They don't actually teach people anything. And then in parallel with that, you have the the uh what's the word i'm looking for like the uh (laughs) i don't want to say terroristic but you have like the the crazy leftists from the 70s who are like bombing like the weather on the ground and those types of movements who are bombing uh post offices and stuff in the 70s they infiltrate the university system and begin setting the curriculum with this somewhat socialistic or not somewhat overtly socialistic mindset and so colleges are making easy money they're getting complacent and people are corrupting the curriculums that exist there take it over to food you subsidize corn production increase uh, the production of high fructose corn syrup that is cheaper than quality foods like beef um, or whole foods and you just inject that into everything everybody eats and 1971 uh, what the fuck happened in 1971 has these charts of obesity rates and um like the degradation of health over the last 50 years that plays into it um war obviously
1: are you you telling us that the reason so many people are fat and sick today is because we've destroyed our money
0: yes yes i am um certainly a driving factor and yeah and it eliminates accountability at the personal level too because people don't have the time actually think about being accountable they're thrown into this fucking rat race where they're trying to keep up with their monthly expenses um working jobs they hate um and they get home they don't really want to think about how to be accountable they'd rather play video games smoke pot or go play quizzo with their friends and get drunk
1: yeah one of one of the uh have you read a history of central banking and the enslavement of mankind
0: i have not not yet
1: it's a very interesting book. One of the things that the authors talked about in the book is how when you have <clears throat> when you have societies with sound money and people's ability to save and store their value isn't being continuously destroyed, this has the net benefit of enabling people to have leisure time and time that they can spend constructing culture and 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 thinking and philosophizing and like really critically analyzing the world and creating things that are meaningful. And, uh, when you have, you know, a fiat society that just gets like totally destroyed and it's, everything's just about that, like that quick fix, you know, just the cheapest entertainment, the cheapest stimulation, all this kind of stuff. And like you said, people being caught in the rat race. And, uh, that's, I, I find that, I find that concept very interesting. Uh, because that that aspect of people being able to set aside time where they're not caught constantly in this rat race, when people can set aside time and really think about how to create things that will last for generations and ideas and art and all of this stuff, you know, that's I think that's how you create a really healthy, vibrant culture. And uh, I look forward to a return in that. You know, I, I hope that that the world can move towards a Bitcoin standard because what we got going on is not working well, bro. <laughs> no.
0: Well, I think whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, I think it's a certainty is that the hand's going to be forced. So like another way to describe the monetary system is literal slavery. It's like debt slavery. It's slavery in another form where the way the money works, particularly at the federal level is like, so right now you had Biden come out and tweet, we're not going to default on our debt. America will never default on our debt. And it's like, well, the interest payments on the debt that we've accrued alone are approaching a trillion dollars annually, um, which would be something like a quarter to one third of tax receipts in any given year, which is an obscene amount. And what Biden really said there is like, no, we're not going to default on our debt. So we're not going to go to people holding treasuries and say, hey, actually, we can't pay you back. The other alternative is you just issue more treasuries you raise more cash and then you pay off the trillion dollars in interest expenses with the cash you just raised and but you exacerbate the problem and this all stems from the keynesian mine rot thought of debt is only money we owe ourselves like this collective we that keynes uh believed existed uh we is future children so like you're like you're the debt is money we owe ourselves is not we owe ourselves debt is money in the the context of treasuries that future generations owe uh the holders of those treasury bonds and so you're literally setting up your children and your grandchildren for debt slavery with the issuance of more and more treasuries because they have to work to pay that back plus the interest
1: you you ever seen that quote that's been attributed to Thomas Jefferson about how I can't remember exactly what it says it's something like if if the issuing of currency is ever taken Controlled out of by. Their, yeah yeah you, you know that quote
0: yeah if it's ever the, the um if the issuance of currency uh is ever given is ever if banks are ever ever take control of the issuance of currency one day you'll wake up in a land uh that you don't own anymore or something like yeah. that. that you're yeah. It's
1: to. like, it's like eventually your, your children and grandchildren will, will find that they've been stripped of ownership of their country.
0: Yes. Yeah. No, I mean, this goes back. I mean, you want to, you can tie this into the Bible too. I mean, Jesus going in and chasing out the the money changers. I mean, these messages have been, uh, been consistent throughout history. There yep. many different religions or many different history books, many different cultures. I mean, There are plenty of warnings out there through historical texts that are just like, don't fuck up the money. Don't fuck up the money. And we fucked up the money worse than any civilization that's ever existed on this planet.
1: And we're fucking up our civilization more than ever before as a result. And uh, it just, it begs the question to me, if the body of Christ was to uh, flip some tables and drive out the money changers today, what would that look like? How could that play out?
0: It's a Bitcoin. You just literally, you get to exit. You get to walk out. Unfortunately, today the central banks of today, like I said, like a, it's a certainty, like mathematical certainty. There's no way we'd be able to produce enough economic activity and tax receipts to pay back the debt. Like the, the death of the fiat system is a mathematical certainty. And then the question is, does the world just collapse? and we try to pick up the scraps from step zero or while that system's collapsing in parallel, do we build out this new system with Bitcoin and simply exit that system as uh, orderly as possible?
1: So, I mean, that's, that's the alternative that sounds the most desirable to me. Uh, you know, I've, I've read the sovereign individual, I think the thesis of the sovereign individual and in building parallel societies that are based on Bitcoin is extremely enticing. One one objection that I've heard to this uh, comes from a man, he's got a sub stack, he goes by DeVito DeVito, like David with an O at the end. And I've, I've hosted, uh, I think at least one, maybe two Twitter spaces with him and my buddy, Michael Ruiz. <laughs> You know, Michael Ruiz, Sovereign Mindset?
0: Yep, uh, I don't, I've never met him personally, but I just know him from Twitter.
1: Yeah, great guy. Um, basically, DeVito's thesis is that, you know, if if this American empire cannot die before Bitcoin, you know, really starts to take over uh, the monetary system, if, if the American empire cannot die and the Western regulatory powers can stay alive long enough, they can begin to regulate the corporate mining pools in north america and europe where from what i understand a a very significant chunk of the hash rate is located right Mm -hmm. and then and then they could they could basically say hey you know they they could they could legislate hey none of these miners you, you guys can't you guys can't allow transactions to go through unless people have ids tied to their transactions and then that could kind of like throttle the ability of of sovereign individuals to like transact with Bitcoin because their transactions wouldn't go through. Do you think that's a possibility? Do you see any issues with that?
0: No, certainly a possibility. Um, but I would mention like this attack vector is always top of mind with many of the adversarial thinkers in Bitcoin. And there are solutions that could come to market, aren't there yet, but um people are thinking about them it could be built within the next two to three years uh where that would be significantly harder um,
1: what what kind of solutions are we talking about here
0: so one is Fetty pool um which would be a different type of pool structure so right now when you point your hash at a pool the pool is brains pool foundry Amp pool luxor whatever it may be and that's one corporate entity uh, that is very public that, um, that controls the hash rate of that pool and constructs blocks and broadcasts them to the network. Uh, very centralized right now. Uh, many Every Bitcoiner that I know that is objective would admit that. Um, what Pool would do is sort of distribute this process uh, in a federation where you'd have this pool that would exist in what's known as a fediment, a federation of um, key signers that control this pool. Uh, and basically what you would do is you would have a federation of more than one pool, ideally like eight to 12. Uh, and they don't even have to, they're not even pools. There's a federation of block constructors um, that basically you would point your hash at this federation. And so instead of having one block constructor, you would have 12 uh, and the way fediments work they don't have to be public so you could have sort of anonymous block constructors there are some trust trade-offs but if you can uh if as a fed pool you can engender trust with your clients like it could work in a way in which it's significantly more anonymous than uh the current pool structure that exists today uh, but yeah the pool structure as it exists today is a is a massive regulatory attack vector. Um, but also with that being said, I do think the trend that, er- that arose during COVID of states asserting their autonomy from the federal government works in our favor too. So here in the U S most, of the hash rate is here in Texas where I am now. And I find it hard to believe, um, that Texas wouldn't stand up for businesses here, mining operations specifically. And stand up against the federal government and say, hey, we're not going to intrude on this too much.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. I've heard, uh, I've heard a lot of people speculate that Texas is going to go blue sometime in the next 10 to 15 years. you think that's true or not?
0: I don't know. We're certainly trying to. But uh, the legislation that was put forward this week is a good, uh, a good uh, tool against that. That, that's
1: the uh like hb2 something incentivizing people to stay married and have families or
0: yeah i think that works in uh in keeping texas red And i don't know i've only been in texas for a year and a half now um everybody not everybody but most texans that i know uh, are gonna fight hand tooth and now to keep texas the way it, it has been for 187 years now
1: that's good to hear that's good to hear. That's That's been one of the states where I've considered strategically re- relocating sometime in the future. Cause I, you know, as you know, I live here in California and uh, I love this place, man, but it scares me, dude. It scares me. You know, this is, when when I look at digital IDs, digital vaccination passports, central bank digital currencies, I see this state being one of the states that would be the first to adopt those things. And uh, I, I never want to let you know my kids or my family get any of these experimental gene therapies i never want that stuff forced on us
0: no no neither do i it's part of the reason i'm in texas as well. <coughs> but uh i don't know what do you think i have this theory like so i'm more white-pilled i think than a lot of um a lot of people are worried about like the cbdc and even a bitcoin or i think we're because we have a few things working in parallel here that are going to coalesce and I think incite a complete collapse in confidence in the institutions. Like the vaccine rollout, people are beginning to wake up to that and being like, what the fuck, what the fuck, what the fuck. Uh, financial crisis. I think we're going to have those two particularly happening in parallel and, and then coalescing. Uh, and it seems like the timing could be perfect where you have a degradation in the financial system with this mass awakening. Like, oh shit, we were just poisoned by our government and, and forced to take it where I think the likelihood of people beginning to fade the federal government and say, no, you don't have any authority over me is going to increase. I think civil disobedience is going to be making its way back in the next decade. Could be naive, um, could be a bit hopeful, too hopeful, but. I, no,
1: I don't, I, I don't think it is naive. Are you familiar with uh, Edward Dowd and his thesis on the COVID crisis?
0: Yeah, it's been on the podcast a few times.
1: Really nice. I, yeah, yeah I, I I really like him, and uh, his his thesis has been extremely compelling to me. So for for those who are unfamiliar with him, Edward Dowd, former analyst at BlackRock, his perspective on the entire COVID crisis is that it was intentionally created because there's going to be a sovereign debt bubble collapse because this entire you know fiat based economy of of debt that's just ever increasing into an infinity. It's a house of cards that will eventually collapse. And his thesis, for those unfamiliar, is that this this pandemic was intentionally brought upon society in order to create a controlled demolition of the global economy as opposed to a spontaneous collapse. And he believes that what they want to do is have like the infrastructure for digital vaccine passports, digital IDs, central bank digital currencies, social credit scoring systems in place before the debt bubble collapse and before the economy just... Completely goes to shit, so that when all that happens, people will already have social credit scores attached to their digital IDs, and so on and so forth, and that would therefore disincentivize people from rioting and you know disincentivize complete social unrest once people realize what has been done to our global economy. And uh, I think it's I think it's a very compelling thesis. And are you familiar with the fact that? Are you, are you familiar with like event 201 just prior to yeah, COVID? Yeah yeah. yeah yeah did you see the latest simulation that 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 same group of people ran catastrophic contagion
0: uh that was that the one that was like a, a bird flu or
1: i don't think it was a bird flu it's called Sears, seers s-e-e-r-s
0: mm-hmm.
1: so for for those listening if you look up catastrophic contagion Uh, the same group that hosted Event 201, the the coronavirus pandemic simulation, one month before COVID happened. Bill, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Johns Hopkins University, and the World Health Organization, they just ran another pandemic simulation called Catastrophic Contagion in April of 20, or not April, October of 2022. They dated this pandemic as being in 2025. Who knows when it'll happen, but what we do know is, Bill Gates, Joe Biden, leaders at the G20 summit, all these different people, probably Klaus Schwab too, they've all said there is going to be a second pandemic and it's going to be bigger and worse than the first one was, okay? And uh, I think that they definitely want to do what Edward Dowd was describing and that this this pandemic will coalesce with this like debt bubble collapse that that you were describing. And I think at that point in time, like things are going to pop off. You know, I I think I think there's I I look at the central bank digital currencies and the digital IDs and the social credit scores and all that stuff. I mean, this is the complete antithesis of American freedom. I, I personally see a lot of civil unrest in America when that happens. A lot of red states basically saying fuck you to the federal government, trying to push that stuff on the rest of the nation and uh who knows what'll happen man you know I, it's it's this is like 1776 territory you know what I mean and uh it yeah. feels like yeah. our, our hand is kind of being forced
0: <clears throat> it is and it's, it's it's so weird it's gotten to this point where if like <laughs> at some point just having this conversation if we had this conversation—is. A timeline i could see where if we have this exact same conversation in 2025 we'll be labeled as radicals uh and have the states go call, us, and after call us, us
1: domestic terrorists and all that stuff yeah, yeah.
0: but again I, I i do think again maybe it's is naive and you know, i'm denying the evidence of the last three years right in front of my eyes but i think they're getting sloppy like i don't think they can control like a good example with like extending the economic system uh and trying to delay the collapse into 2025 I'm not sure they're going to be able to do that like you see it right now with the Fed raising rates getting close to six percent they're gonna have to go higher inflation has not been tamed and now they have this elephant in the room which is China is reopening its economy so like there's these unforeseen variables at play that I don't think they could have even war gamed out that are that are coming to fruition like the Fed is destroying demand and raising rates which is causing mass layoffs in the tech sector and else other places people's auto loan payments are going up people's housing payments are going up so you have trouble in the job market real estate market uh car market uh now you have china opening up too which is going to drive demand for oil steel all these raw inputs in the economy so they're going to raise rates and they're not going to succeed in curbing inflation it's actually probably going to get worse moving forward and I don't think that's something they foresaw uh, or can control once it's happening
1: so hopefully there's
0: hopefully there's a wrench in that plan which I mean if they're running the war games you can you can bet it's a plan they'll sprinkle in some cyber attacks and grid infrastructure attacks as well
1: um well and I I think that's how they transition everybody into the the system that they want right Because if if the whole thing collapses and they're like, hey, you know, we'll we'll, in order to keep everything running, we'll give you universal basic income so that you can keep getting bread. You know, there's a lot of people that I think would be like, well, shit, I've lost everything. But, you know, somehow the government's going to give me some universal basic income. I just need to completely comply with their system and also get. Uh, you know the latest vaccines and all this stuff. I think a lot of people who are not awake would just sleepwalk right into that system of tyranny. You know, yeah. Which is why, which is why Bitcoin's so important because it's like, hey, we could, uh, we could exit this.
0: Yeah, you know well, that's that's always the big question in my mind: how do we, quote unquote, get those people awake uh, as quickly as possible?
1: Just keep speaking,
0: right? That keep like, speaking
1: and keep praying, bro.
0: It's like, how can The people who are still doing everything that the government is telling them to do, be doing that, considering all the evidence we have of them being objectively uh, evil (laughs) over the last three years, particularly. Like, why would you ever keep going back to that trough?
1: Brute force manufactured consensus. You ever seen that? You ever seen that 4chan red text talking Mm -hmm. about how physically weak men and women? Can't, they, they, they can't afford to think for themselves because they're physically weak. Sorry for the background noise. It's trash it's day here. Yeah, it's it's dude. it's it's honestly crazy. It's I think it's brute force manufactured consensus where people are seeing, you know, on every screen that they look at, you've got the fact checkers being like, hey, this is what the narrative is. And they, they just assume, hey, everybody else must think like me. But also too. <clears throat> You have this, uh, you have this like IQ component to it all, right? Where, you know, you're probably familiar with Edward Bernays, the father of propaganda and his quotes about how in order to properly organize a society, you have to propagandize people. Uh, And, you know, the reality is that the majority of the population has an IQ between ninety five and one hundred and five. Right. And half the population has a below average IQ and what that means is like the the majority of people like kind of need to be told what to think like it's hard for a lot of people to really process all of the information and critically think about everything and like put all the pieces together they get they just kind of have to rely on people creating narratives that they can believe in so that they can continue to live their lives and uh it's a problem because the people with the most credibility and authority Are selling them lies, and people look at lies in every direction, and they just assume, well, this must be the truth if everybody's saying it. And uh, you know, that's why I think that's why it just comes down to leaders like us to be like, hey, this is what's actually going on here. Let me break it down for you so that you can make sense of everything that's happening here. And you know, I, I just pray that that God can position as many people as possible like that to help you know the rest of the flock make sense out of everything so that they can wake up out of it. Because we we really need leaders to help lead people into freedom. You know what I mean?
0: I totally know what you need. I mean, and again, I think, yeah, maybe I'm too optimistic. I'm internally optimistic, which sometimes may be a bad thing. But I like to have hope that we're going to get out of this. And I do think those leaders are presenting themselves, like Ed Dowd. Like yeah. I recorded the last time I recorded with him, my dad was sending me like pictures of, the, of his book like two days after he listened to the podcast. Like he went out bought it right away. My dad's That's pretty awesome. clued into what's going on, but
1: Based. I, don't think,
0: I don't think ever in the history of the five years, five and a half years of this podcast, he's ever like actually bought the book of the guest I've had on and like dove into it. And I know he's been talking to his friends about it. Like, Hey, like Mar- Marty had a, uh, this guy on the podcast, here's his book. Like you guys should be aware of this. Um, I do think people like Ed Dowd, like yourself, uh, and others out there, we're getting this message out are beginning to gather more credibility in the eyes of, of the people who've been duped over the last three years and that's one thing we we i shouldn't say we but like a lot of bitcoiners have been trying to figure out for better part of 15 years now is like how do we get the bitcoin narrative condensed to a point where it seems more favorable than the incumbent system and just keep going down that road that's yeah.
1: That's what that's that is one of the most important problems to solve, because a lot of people like I've got a lot of friends and they look at Bitcoin and they, they don't get it. And I, I spend time breaking it down to them. And after I spend a few minutes breaking it down to them, they're like, oh, I get it. OK, this is totally superior. But uh, one of one of the challenges of Bitcoin is that, you know, you, it, it takes a lot of responsibility to properly hold and store and secure your Bitcoin. And not a lot of people are technologically savvy enough to fully understand everything that's going on there. You know, they can, they can, you know, scan a a check to deposit into their bank account and, and go pull out money from an ATM. It's like, okay, that's easy, but storing, you know, your, your, your seed phrases and, and all that kind of stuff. Like that's, that's a different ball game for the average person. And, uh,
0: well, that this goes back to, this goes back to narrative, right? Like, I wouldn't say it's hard for the average person i would just say it's like a new experience it's not hard to write down 12 or 24 words it's just a like an abnormal experience that they've never encountered in their life where it's like so it's just new it's not hard and just i think wallet software is particularly these days are getting much better at making that onboarding experience seamless so you can download an app and have a wallet within two minutes and then Within the app, educating people like, hey, uh, there's something that you need to store to make sure if you lose your phone, you can get your Bitcoin back. And I think it's small things like that. But that's the other thing, like, I think Bitcoiners have done themselves a disservice. Um, I'm I'm guilty of it, too. In the early years of this podcast is saying, like, no, it's like hard to store Bitcoin. It's actually pretty easy. It's just a foreign experience that you're going to have to get comfortable with.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, it's a small degree of increased responsibility that gives you a large degree of freedom in return. Yeah. And and ultimately that's, I mean, that's the entire name of the game moving forward is helping people learn how to be responsible so that they can safeguard their own freedom. You know what I mean? And I'm, I'm optimistic too, bro. Like, like we're up against a lot, we're up against a lot, but at the same time. I firmly believe we have the God of the universe on our side because the forces that we're up against are complete, obviously satanic. Like it's, it's like hilarious how obviously satanic they are, but we have a God of miracles on our side who answers prayers and he listens to our prayers and he, he, he honors the prayers of the faithful if they're to the father's glory. And I'm like, dude, nothing is impossible for God. So, you know, how can we pray really effectively for, uh, for leaders and for, opportunities for freedom. These are always the, the the questions on my mind, you know?
0: Yeah. Who are you, who are you seeing as leaders that are emerging in your mind?
1: I don't, I don't see any, uh, I don't see any leaders that have the, the complete package. Um, I don't know, man, I'm, I'm like, I'm like mildly blackpilled on the, uh, the leaders of the freedom movement and, and the right wing in America, because everybody's just constantly at each other's throats. And, uh, it seems like we're being pulled in all these different directions and very few of them understand how important the money is to all of this. Very, very few people do outside of the Bitcoin community. I don't know, man. You know, I like, I like, uh, well I'll, I'll hold off on that cuz it gets a, it gets a lot of people riled up <laughs> a lot of people riled up so
0: well that's like that's why i feel very thankful for the i don't even i don't even consider it it is a career but like for the work that i do and get paid for is extremely gratifying extremely humbling then like it's gratifying because like you don't have to like that i do not respect many of the Quote, unquote conservative thought leaders and people are out there like tweeting and like highlight yes highlight the stuff we know we know it's all fucked like what are you doing about it like you're not going to pass law like i'm just an acceleration
1: just a bunch of, i just see a bunch of reactionary grifters exactly they're, constant, they're constantly like look at what the left is doing now and i'm like bro how about you propose a way forward like we know we know that they're trying to subvert everything we know that they're destroying civilization We don't need to be in this constant emotionally reactionary state. Like let's find a path forward beyond all of this, you know? yeah. There's very very few conservative influencers doing that.
0: And that's where like, you can spend your time doing that or Bitcoin's an open source protocol that you can build on freely and actually like enact change that you wanna see. And that's why I decide to focus all my time on it is because this is something actionable that could actually get us on the other side of this craziness. And it blows my mind that more of people who LARP about being um, perturbed about the state of the world where everything's going and they don't do anything but like scream online.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, one of the objections that uh, people have to the whole Bitcoin thing is they're like, dude, you're not going to be able to transact with it on a daily basis anytime soon it's not functional money and then i'll tell them about like the lightning protocol and what's going down in el salvador and all that kind of stuff but like how how soon how soon do you see people being able to actually transact on a daily basis with bitcoin how optimistic are you about that
0: i mean like it's happening today like people are whether others want to recognize it or not like this podcast perfect example like People are going to be listening to us and they're going to be streaming us bitcoin as they listen they're going to listen to via podcasting apps like fountain that have bitcoin while it's in it and they want to support the show so they stream me bitcoin for every minute they listen to an episode and they can boost me and you like if i really wanted to i could add you to the split of this episode and part of the bitcoin that's being streamed to our rss feed will get split to you um This happened, like, I can check my wallet right now. I'll see hundreds of transactions that have happened in the last couple of hours of people doing that. So, like, I use Bitcoin, receive Bitcoin almost every minute of every day, just from people listening to this podcast, in terms of, like, going into a store and buying things with Bitcoin. I mean, uh, Strike uh, is getting more integrated with a lot of of point-of-sale systems. Square, I think Square is going to be a massive... um, sort of hack for making bitcoin more of a transactional currency because i mean jack's pretty committed to bitcoin and uh i I would not be surprised if at some point in the next year or two they flip a switch that makes it very easy for merchants to begin accepting bitcoin um right in their square pos terminals um it's here you could do it today if you wanted to it's just i do it uh in El Salvador, are doing it over in Africa, are doing it. Um, it's possible today. It's just not as widespread as you like it to be. And that's another thing too. Particularly uh, Americans critiquing Bitcoin. I think one of the big blockers they have is they don't recognize that this is a global movement. And even if the government does try to shut it down here, maybe they attack pools and indiv- individual miners here. Those businesses will just go under, and Bitcoin will still survive and thrive in the emerging market world where it's happening today. So Bitcoin's a hydra You're never going to, you're never going to kill it. Um, And as an American critiquing it, like I would just caution, like this thing's going to be successful. It's going to be widely adopted and uh, you can get in now and reap the benefits of the peer to peer network that provides you anti-censorship money and the sound money aspects of it the overall value uh appreciation over the long term or you can just continue complaining about it saying you don't understand it and watch as everybody else adopts it around you
1: yeah have fun being poor right yeah
0: exactly Uh,
1: where where uh where do you think the price per coin is going to be at in 15 years marty
0: I don't know. I think we're going to experience legit hyperinflation. So like the denominator in dollars could be trillions of dollars. Um, what is the purchasing, purchasing power of one Bitcoin? Today's dollars in 15 years, I wouldn't be surprised if it's 10 million or higher. Because um, that's the other thing. And gradually, then suddenly with these hyperinflationary events, like we're in the gradual part where people are like, oh shit, beef's like $2 more expensive a pound than it was like six months ago um that trend's going to continue but at some point i think in the next decade you're going to hit like a venezuela zimbabwe argentina inflection point where it's just you wake up one day and you're racing to the grocery store to buy as much as possible when you get your paycheck right but i think that could be avoided too if we have this uh, if we have a material transition of enough americans and enough businesses to bitcoin where they're at least accumulating a small amount
1: what are, what are the companies that are making it easiest for businesses to transact in Bitcoin?
0: I mean, BTC Pay Server is an open source payment processor. That's what we use. Um, Strike, Square, uh, Ibex Mercado out of Guatemala. Um, yeah, those are, the, those are the ones that come top of my mind. And then like just basic wallet software is like breeze or, or blue wallet. Like if you have like a merchant like a hot dog cart or something like that, they can just download a wallet in a minute and they want to accept Bitcoin, like boom, QR code. You owe me five bucks, pay me five bucks worth of Bitcoin. That's legit. That's like, yeah, going back to like to people it is easier than most like I think there's just this cognitive dis not cognitive dissonance, but this blocker, this mental blocker where people think it's too hard but it's really not you just download an app and point a QR code
1: yeah I want to go back to what you were talking about with the uh the streaming of Bitcoin when people are watching your show so is, is this the kind of thing where like can people watch your show for free but also if they want they can like stream Bitcoin to support it
0: yeah yeah so Adam Curry He's a host of the No Agenda podcast, uh, co host, or co host of No Agenda, co host of like MoFax. He's got like four or five podcasts, but he invented podcasting with Steve Jobs back in wow. the day. Yeah. Um, used to work, he was an MTV uh, video jockey, uh, was really ahead of the curve when the internet blew up in the 90s. Um, he invented podcasting. And he became enamored with Bitcoin years ago. And then when the lightning network came out, he had an aha moment, like, all right, I'm going to develop podcasting 2.0. So that's what enables um, these lightning payments as people are listening. Uh, And he's leveraging the model he created at no agenda, which is value for value, give the content for free. But if people are getting value out of it, ask them, okay, if you're getting value and you want to support the show, send it our way. And for uh, the first... 15 years of no agenda. People would do that by literally sending them checks or cash or PayPaling ing them. Um, and now with Bitcoin, it's just made significantly easier. So we created podcasting 2.0. And basically what that does is just podcasts go out via RSS feeds and you just added uh, a section of like HTML code to the RSS feed, which is calling a value block, which allows you to put a lightning network public address or multiple public addresses in your RSS feed where now when I send my podcast out, BRSS gets picked up, Apple, Spotify, uh, Overcast, all the podcasting apps, um, but my RSS feed has that, that lightning network address in it. So now you're finding podcast apps like Fountain, Breeze, uh, Roadcaster, a bunch of others. They're plugging into that functionality and adding lightning wallets to their podcast player apps where users can now participate in that value for value model directly in the podcasting app.
1: Is, is it lucrative?
0: Uh, not yet. I mean, I make, I've got, it's been, I've, I've made probably like 10 million sats on rabbit hole recap, which is the other show I do in the last like six months. So that's 2.2 2 grand right now. Um, but again, it's so small. It's such a niche market. Like if, Every listener that listens to the show was to participate and give me, uh, give me like a dollar an episode or 50 cents an episode, a quarter an episode, it would be very lucrative, but it's not lucrative now just because of how nation it is and how little people understand about it or even aware about that it exists. But I you think you know, it m-
1: would be sick is, uh, if, if so, w- when I'm on the whatever podcast, Brian, the host. He streams live on YouTube and then he's got a super chat feature where people can spend ten bucks, fifty bucks, a hundred bucks, however much. And then they get their super chat and it d- displays at the bottom of the screen. And then we respond to it. It would be sick to stream live if I don't know if anybody's figured this out, but to stream live and then people could super chat in Bitcoin. Yes. That'd be dope.
0: A company has figured it out. It's called Vita. Go to Vita V I D A dot Live and you can You can set that up. Um so you set up the vita.live page, you start live streaming and similar to like something like restream, you can plug in the uh RTMP token of your YouTube page or your Twitter page or whatever um and send it out to all those platforms. Uh but then people go to vita.live, your room there and that's where they can super chat in bitcoin. And it will pop up that's on dope. YouTube and all that. That's awesome. Yeah. That's legit uh it's uh it's happening that's the thing I, I think the market's going to grow into this it's just making more people aware of it and taking away the uh the mystique of it all people thinking it's too hard it's not that hard
1: <clears throat> well I'm, i mean i'm personally excited to direct my audience towards this podcast so they can hear more about it because i think there's a lot of people out there who want freedom but they don't understand bitcoin and they don't understand the opportunities that it offers in the realm of freedom really got to bridge that gap Agreed. And, uh, Agreed. I, I, you know like there's a there's a ton of people that want freedom and and they want they want to fix the degeneration of our society that they don't realize yet is rooted in money and uh I'm, I'm excited to direct a few people towards this so that they can we can start bridging that gap for them mentally
0: well likewise i think um we need those people are yearning for freedom to get into bitcoin start using it start building on it. We need more minds building on it to get it to more people. But then on top of that, like I would like going back to like the conservative think boys, like how do we engender that call to action? Like it's not going to be like, it takes some personal responsibility. Like it's going to take a little bit of effort. I'm saying it's not easy or it's not hard because I don't think it's hard, but it does take a little bit of effort and intention, which I worry that is like one of my, my biggest worry for Bitcoin in the long term is apathy even though I'm extremely optimistic I worry about like the apathetic not even masses but like the apathetic people who want this but aren't willing to take one extra step to secure that freedom
1: well I mean honestly man at the end of the day like the people that want it bad enough are going to work to secure it and like a lot of people just want to be led into it and we can do we can do the best job we possibly can to lead them into it but like you know, it's like Jocko Willink says, right, discipline equals freedom. You've got to have discipline. You've got to have responsibility. You have to work to be the master of your own fate. Nobody's going to do it for you because the alternative is, I mean, you know, if you want, you know, u- universal basic income and your fake meat deliveries on a daily basis and your, your, your soy slop and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you could, you could probably get that, uh, pretty easily you know but if you really want to fight for your freedom you know there, there's there's going to be work to do but like we just need to pave away way for them you know what I mean
0: like I said it's extremely gratifying too when you take the extra step like with this site yeah, it is. with uh like these sats that'll be streamed on this episode go straight to a node that I control and there's something extremely gratifying knowing that I control that like, like yep. there's no PayPal there's no MasterCard there's no Venmo there's no Bank of America to say ah Chase and Marty we're telling telling people to get married early we don't like that we're gonna we're gonna freeze their money like having that peace of mind is extremely gratifying
1: 100 who are speaking of which who are your uh who are your favorite like like video streaming platforms and, and stuff like that in terms of like being censorship resistant and actually committed to freedom I know a lot of people love Rumble This is a question that's been on my mind because a lot of people are asking me to start a podcast and i'm like okay which platform do i want to commit to what what, what do you think about that
0: my strategy has been use all of them just secure yourself by spreading it over as many places so we we post our stuff on rumble it doesn't get nearly as much attention as it does on youtube we won't post this on youtube because i'll get kicked off because i've talked about covid too much on it but um, so I'll put this on Rumble I'll put this on BitcoinTV.com um, BitChute I guess Vita I think they plan on having um, having like content live on the site as well not just being a pure streaming platform that's um, yeah, hard I, I recommend hosting your own site too um, I know the platforms are good for distribution and discovery but at the end of the day if you have an audience that's engaged and is going to go find your con- content I think having a site on top of that where that lives is important as well so that's why I syndicate the newsletter via a ghost site that I control um yeah it's hard because YouTube's pretty cucked like
1: they seem super cucked
0: I can't like I had a doubt on um and got a strike I'm still in YouTube jail. For just talking about facts and insurance Rick. data and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. They're uh super gay. I don't, I don't like YouTube. Everybody <laughs> like, everybody's like, dude, you gotta, you gotta start a YouTube channel. I'm like, bro, you know how quickly I would get kicked off if I went yeah. to- <laughs> literally like first video, bro. Yeah. It's you know? uh
0: yeah. But then there's, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure if you've been paying attention to it's not video streaming yet. I think it's possible at some point in the future, but, um, or video hosting but uh, this decentralized communications protocol noster which is allowing yeah, I've, been
1: people- I've been hearing a lot about that
0: yeah i think there's a lot of promise there in terms of building a censorship resistant it's important to make the distinction that's a protocol layer where individuals and companies can build clients on top of that protocol um and it's extremely hard to censor the communications going through that protocol just do the way that uh that communication is relayed via these relays that you can spin up yourself so if you really want to get a message out on nostr you would just spin up your own relay have your audience connect to that and they would be able to get that and there would be other relays that would syndicate it as well um so that's providing a lot of hope in my life I right now too using Noster? oh yeah yeah i've been on it for like seven months now
1: is it is it kind of like twitter in the user interface or how does that work
0: so again, Nostra is a protocol um, and what you, what you're seeing is a bunch of different clients plugging into that protocol and creating user interfaces and user experiences. Um, some of them are Twitter-like, so like Domus, if you're on iOS, if you have an Apple product, you go to Domus, D-A-M-U-S.io, download the app. Uh, you create a profile there. Um, there's others like snort.social, iris.2 which are web clients. Um, but like, yeah, the idea is you have this protocol, people are sending messages throughout the protocol and then clients create these experiences that pull those messages out uh, and present mm. them to you.
1: Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I've seen a ton of people say that it's lit and they're really enjoying it.
0: So. It's literally impossible. I mean, it's not impossible to censor, but it's extremely hard. R- individual relays could, uh, decide not to syndicate your messages, but the incentive structure is that if you can spin up your own relay, you can get your message out there and the likelihood of every relay censoring your messages is is significantly lower than Twitter censoring your messages or something like that.
1: Are, are people that are running relays incentivized in any way to like not censor your message?
0: Um, paid relays are popping up. So that's the other thing, like Noster is really integrating uh, the Lightning Network where you can spin up these relays and put a paywall on them uh, and say, hey, um, I'm putting up all this beefy server infrastructure, like I need to get paid for the service and paid for the filtration of the messages, pay my relay, and I'll facilitate what you want to happen. So that's probably the biggest incentive carrot there.
1: That's good to know yeah because i'm always looking at this from the perspective of like okay at some point down the line like political dissidents they're going to try everything they possibly can to censor us stop us from communicating with one another you know like we were talking about earlier in the conversation if things pop off down the line as they try and push this whole new world order agenda they're going to try and silence everybody that's speaking out against it you know coordinating any sort of resistance ideally peacefully but you know, you come after people with forced, forced experimental gene therapies, things things will start to get weird. But the point is that I think they'll try and censor a lot of people. And uh, it's good to know that there's stuff like that, that that exists that is very difficult to shut down.
0: Yeah. No, it's, again, I'm extremely optimistic. And that's the other thing. Like, I don't think the powers that be, I think they're getting sloppy. I don't think they're aware of the gravity of Bitcoin and protocols like Noster to really subvert their ability to do any of the things that they did the last three years in terms of censorship?
1: I I think, I think they're really banking on people, not actually taking the time to become disciplined with communication and, and things like Bitcoin and stuff like that. I think they're really banking on people being so apathetic that they won't pursue this other stuff. And, uh, yeah I'm bullish on the alternatives I'm also I st- still find it amazing that your uh your little ticker right there keeps displaying two 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 while we've been talking about that
0: <laughs> isn't it crazy synchronicity
1: it, it's it's unbelievable it feels 100 percent like a God thing
0: right are we gonna win that's the other thing Dude, I,
1: of course we're gonna win bro of <laughs> course we're gonna win absolutely
0: that's what uh I say that all the time I tweet that out like we're gonna win that's another thing. I like, give gender confidence in people too. A lot of people just feel so beaten down. Like ah, oh, beating the government—it's going to be so hard. And I and like that's. I think that's the beauty. Another like optimistic silver lining of this culture war and this war for freedom in the digital age is that we can fight this war in the digital world, which can be extremely peaceful.
1: You can, yes, you
0: can fight it from the comfort of your couch if you want I don't recommend that I think you do need to get out and go shake your farmer's hand and make sure he's supported and you're getting good food and taking care of your body as well but um I do think the possibility of a peaceful transition is much higher today than it was in times past when when revolutions were needed to be had
1: yeah I mean I, uh, as far as the whole confidence thing goes, because I, I want to ideally stay away from discussion of revolution personally, because <laughs> uh, I, I still don't know how I feel about talking about that stuff online, because it definitely seems like it's coming down the line. But um, as far as the whole optimism thing goes, Marty, what I'll tell you is, you know, like I said earlier in the conversation, we've, we've got the God of the universe on our side and in my own life dude I've had so many prayers that were like very very specific that I prayed and was, was diligent and disciplined and continuing to pray I've had so many of these prayers where I saw God with exact specificity and perfect precision answer the prayers down the line to the point where like no reddit atheist could be like bro it's just coincidence like it's like it's completely impossible for these answered prayers to just be coincidence. Like, it's I, I look at them and I, I clearly see the work of God in in these prayers being answered. And uh, I'm you know I'm extremely bullish on, on on our God, dude. Like, he when you look throughout the Bible and even the events of the American Revolution, you see a pattern where. You know, one of one of God's personality traits, because a lot of people like they look at God and they, they, they think he's like this, like impersonal source energy. But like when you dig into the Bible, no, he's an actual person. His name is Yahweh or Jehovah, however you want to pronounce it. And he has distinct personality traits. And one of his personality traits that you see play out time and time again throughout the Bible is like things will get really bad. The, his people will be up against just these crazy tyrannical forces and they will call upon his name. And, and pray to him faithfully. And right when things seem like they're at the worst and like like failure is inevitable, boom, he'll swoop in and just miraculously deliver them, right? He'll, he'll raise Jesus from the dead after he was crucified and killed by his enemies. He'll rescue Moses from, uh, from the uh, Egyptians. He, the King David, time and time again, he would be surrounded by his enemies and he would overcome them victoriously. And in the events of the American Revolution, you you read the writings of the founding fathers, many of whom were devout Christians. You know, George Washington spent pretty much every single day when he would wake up and go to bed at night, spent hours in prayer, petitioning God like, Lord, please deliver us in this cause. And in the writings of the American Revolution, that time and time again, they saw the hand of providence deliver them miraculously from their enemies. So much so that like they they felt that their cause was truly divine and, and God had their backs and it enabled them to win the revolution. And I look at that and I'm just like, dude, like that's that's the God we have on our side. And he's <laughs> he's just he's just waiting for us to pray to him for deliverance and be faithful to him. I mean, you, you know
0: can make I mean? yeah, no, I totally know what you mean. I think you can make the argument that Bitcoin's messianic in a way. Like mean, literally Satoshi popped up October thirty first, two thousand eight, was like, hey I have this thing called Bitcoin it's launched in 2009 like literally in the depths of the great financial crisis like uh you guys need uh this thing to get away from the terrible thing you just experienced
1: what what do you think about the people who claim or what do you think about the claim people make that like like the whole thing could have been like an NSA or CIA op or something the creation of Bitcoin what do you think about that because people uh, bring that up sometimes and I never know what to say to it
0: it could have been and if it was, like, they were definitely wargaming. Like, oh, shit, this is, uh, <laughs> this financial system's going to implode. Like, we need to make sure this thing exists. So, when it does implode, people have something to go to so that the mob doesn't come after us <laughs> and, uh, and take care of us. In terms of, like, them being able to, like, cause that's usually what people anchor to with the NSA theories is like, oh, the government control the protocol. Well, it's like, objectively no it's open source it's been uh, the code base has been audited for again 14, 14 years and three months now by the hundreds thousands of individuals globally distributed that i doubt are government actors and if the nsa was going to sneak a back door into bitcoin to control it in any way like it probably would have been found by now
1: yeah 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 i i uh I'm not like like probably like many of your guests who are like super 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 focused on Bitcoin I see it as like the tool that it is which is an insanely valuable tool but I also kind of like I have my my mind on like all of these different factors when it comes to like the culture and like what's happening in politics what's happening with the elites like trying to balance all of these things so I, I like I like learning from bitcoiners that are you know really deep into it uh, yeah because I mean- I'm not
0: it's, it's, I mean, that, that's, I was too. I was like in the politics and I definitely still pay attention to it. And I definitely pay attention and comment on the culture war from time to time. Once you find Bitcoin, it's like, we have it right out here in the studio, fix the money, fix the world. And like, again, we'll reiterate like most of the problems that exist in the world today emanate from a broken money. Like you can't go out and fix culture. You can't fix politics. You can't fix food you can't fix energy until you fix the fucking money
1: yep yep would you uh would you can I have a question for you would you consider yourself a conspiracy theorist or realist you ever look into all that stuff
0: oh yeah definitely I mean people call me Marty Jones from time to time um I don't think I'm a conspiracy theorist I think I (laughs) am objective and know how to think critically people definitely label me one uh um, who
1: do you I, I have a question who do you who do you think we're up against in this in this war who do you think's calling the shots trying to uh consolidate their grip over mankind do you think it's a coordinated effort do you think it's just a bunch of sloppy elites trying to push towards you know a new world order what do you think's happening here
0: I don't know I go back and forth like incompetence or malice I think there's some malice who is it I don't know um you hear like the Davos class is just uh the puppets that like the the ancient families are controlling above them. I don't know anything about that. Um, yeah, I think again, just looking at pure incentives of the way the global governance structure has been erected, it fine tunes for psychopaths, right? Like nobody, yeah. nobody wants yeah. to be a politician unless you're psychopathic and want power. So I think the structure sort of creates the condition by which all these psychopaths get the power and then yeah. they want more power. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think it's a product of the system and how it's been constructed. Uh, obviously I think central bankings, <laughs> a big part of it as well on top of the political system. I think they're completely intertwined at this point. Um, I mean, it does seem like Bill Gates, Klaus Schwab, those types have weird intentions. Um, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Like you can, I, I, I don't think it matters. Like you can try to theorize what, who's doing what and what their intentions are. At the end of the day, it just had to accept as the way the world is, and I can theorize all day and like try to point at what I think the problem is, or you can just work on the solution, which I think is much more productive. Why I decided to focus on Bitcoin.
1: Yeah, I. Uh... I definitely appreciate the solutions based thinking. It's one of the questions that's always on my mind because I just, I, you know, I'm a student of biblical prophecy and uh, the Bible has a lot to say about what would happen in the final days. And there's a lot of end times prophecies that are coming true right now around us. And part of me always wonders, like, is this coming true because the, these end times prophecies are fulfilling divinely right now or is this stuff happening because the elites are using you know the book of revelation and these various prophetic texts throughout the bible they're using it as like a playbook to demoralize the masses it's one of the questions that's always on my mind because i'm like if if they're just using it as a playbook a lot of the stuff that's happening right now is just a total psyop to try and get us to think that we can't win right oh yeah now if, if 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 these things are happening and they're being fulfilled divinely, then, okay, I want to focus on solutions, but I also want to focus on preparing for what is to come and the eventual rise of the Antichrist. And I want to focus on, you know, raising my family up, creating a family and raising that family up to be as strong and and, and as as firmly rooted in Christ as they can possibly be so that they have no fear about what would happen in the final days. But I just, dude, I look at like you mentioned Bill Gates, I look at people like him and I'm like, man, what is, what is going on here? You know, like early, early in COVID I, uh, it was weird. Like the, the, the media coverage of COVID was very weird to me because it it seemed extremely coordinated. And then Bill Gates was being platformed as like the guy who had the answers, you know, you've got this, this software developer, who couldn't even keep viruses out of his own computer well, software. Well, he wasn't
0: even a software developer. He stole all Xerox's code and then had underlines, really? right? Yeah, that's yeah, like- Yeah,
1: so okay. you, you got this fraud in software who couldn't even keep viruses out of his own computer software, but now he's being platformed as the expert that knows how to deal with viruses in the human body, despite having no experience in that. And, you know, he's like, well, you know, we're not getting out of this pandemic until all seven billion of us have been vaccinated. And I heard that and I was like, all right, dude, who appointed you king of the world? And also, that's not even how this isn't even how like epidemiology works, you know, like you've got people who establish natural herd immunity. Right. And that's that's a part of this. If we're really talking facts about epidemiology, that's a part of the solution here. It's not just all seven billion of us getting vaccinated. And when I heard him say that, I was like, all right, bro, you're full of shit. All of this is part of some huge, like master plan to push us towards some sort of vaccination tracking system. Right. And like, all, you know, all, all these red flags, alarm bells were going off in my mind when he made that statement. And I started watching him very closely, paying attention to the things that he was saying and that Microsoft was doing. And... uh on April 26th of 2020, Microsoft was awarded a very interesting patent. Did you see what that patent was?
0: Uh, yeah, the, the chips in the, um, or wasn't it like something to do with like injectable chips or something like that?
1: So it's it's a it's a device. They don't specify what kind of device it is. But this device they did specify would connect to the human body and sensors of some sort in the human body. And this device would monitor all of your biometric data. So we're talking brainwaves, where you're directing your conscious attention, your heartbeat, presumably your vaccination status, although I, I don't think I found anything in the text of the patent describing that. So it would collect all of your biometric data. And then in exchange for your biometric data, this device would give you access to cryptocurrency.
0: Okay. And so I'm like <laughs> That's so I'm like, all
1: right. I'm like, all right, device that connects to your body and gives you access to cryptocurrency. Huh, this is interesting. This sounds like the biblical mark of the beast described in Revelation chapter 13, verses 16 through 18. And the biblical mark of the beast in Revelation 13, it says it has the number 666. Okay? And the the patent number for this international patent that Microsoft was awarded was 060606. (laughs) and I saw Bill Gates the
0: Antichrist like does that give you
1: I don't think he's the Antichrist because when you read when you read through the Bible there's all these different verses that describe the personality of the Antichrist right he's going to be a military genius an economic genius he's going to have a distinct physical appearance and he's going he's basically going to create a religious cult on earth and people are going to worship him thinking basically that he's Jesus Christ Right, and he's going to create a one-world government. All this stuff. This guy is going to be the most charismatic and clever leader the world has ever seen, and I think I think Bill Gates is is not that. Um, But I do think I do think you know I I look at that technology and I see okay this if this isn't a patent for the Mark of the Beast, it appears to be part of the infrastructure of the Mark of the Beast. And I look at you know I look at people like him and Elon Musk with his Neuralink brain chip and people like Klaus Schwab saying, Oh, yeah, we're gonna have, we're gonna have microchips in everybody's brains in the next, you know, 10 to 15 years, I think they're all part of this Antichrist agenda, but I don't think any of them are are in particular the Antichrist. But uh, yeah, dude, I I looked at that patent. And the fact that the freaking patent number was 060606. (laughs) I'm like, bro, what is going on here? And I I hit up a I hit up a, a, a very successful patent attorney about this. And I was like, Hey, man, like, I just saw this weird patent and I uh, wanted to know, like, was this was this patent number, is this something that would have been randomly assigned or w- are there Satanists working at Microsoft that, like, would have applied for that specific patent number? Like, what's going on here? And he, he goes, yeah, all, all of these international patent numbers are randomly assigned.
0: Holy shit. Like,
1: yeah. And so in my mind, one of two things happened with that patent. That was either divine fulfillment, of biblical prophecy, or people over at Microsoft somehow bribed international patent offices to get that specific number as part of, you know, maybe a psyop or maybe they're intentionally trying to fulfill biblical prophecy or whatever they're trying to do. Right. But I look at that and I'm like, okay, something's going on here. What is it? Is it the fulfillment of biblical prophecy or is this part of some larger psyop agenda? Because if it is part of some larger psyop agenda, and the Antichrist isn't going to rise for, who knows, you know, decades or maybe hundreds of years. If it is a PSYOP agenda, then we can beat it. You know what I mean? And yeah. I, I want it, which is why I'm into Bitcoin.
0: Yeah. I think we can beat it. <sighs> I, I, go back and,
1: I, I go back and forth on it. I go back and forth on it because I, I'm like, okay, if this is God's plan, if this is God's plan, there's no stopping it. Right. And my, my, my time is best spent preparing myself and my family for the final days. And there's, there's many, many ways that you can do that. One of the reasons why I look at Bitcoin is because the the mark of the beast system, it says in the Bible, whoever you're going to need the mark of the beast to buy, sell and trade under the antichrist economic system. And I look at Bitcoin as something where it's like, okay, maybe that's an exit strategy for the mark of the beast. Seems like it would be a pretty good one, you know? And so I'm, I'm like, I, I go back and forth in my mind. I'm like, okay, if this is God's plan, there's no stopping it. And it's, it's my, my best, my best game plan here is to just align myself with God's will so that he can protect me and my family, especially my family. Or this is all psyop and we can beat it because the elites are a bunch of like wannabe Satanists you know people and uh we should totally overcome it you know so i go i go back and forth on it in my mind
0: yeah i think they're definitely say i mean like we said earlier they're definitely satanists among us and they are a bit sloppy like the whole sam smith thing at the Grammys. because that's the thing about luciferianism right it's like you have to be overt with your messaging and you symbolism. they're
1: so overt bro it's crazy right?
0: it's like if you go back and you do like the history of like Hollywood particularly in like the 70s and 80s where in Luciferianism was becoming like in vogue Like it was like a it was like a cool thing to do in Hollywood You get like Sammy Davis Jr and a bunch of others like trying to convert people to Luciferianism um and this is not like any anybody listening to this be like oh you're fucking Marty Jones office like this is all very well documented go read the devil's chessboard um there were is that, the CIA? is
1: that the CIA book yeah
0: yeah um like Alan Dulles and all those early CIA Alan guys Dulles?
1: is it duels or Dulles?
0: Dulles I think um I don't I, I don't forget know. if it was him or somebody else Whitney Webb came on and talked about this a couple of years ago but yeah there has been like this Satanist movement in Hollywood and some parts of the intelligence apparatus for decades now
1: yeah yeah, it's, uh,
0: and if that's the it, case, that's them yeah, trying to will it into existence, right? Like
1: it's, it seems it seems like they kind of are like, it seems like they're like, I look at stuff like, you know, Sam Smith's Grammys, uh, performance and, uh, like the ritual that they did. Did you ever see like the Goddard tunnel opening ceremony over in Switzerland?
0: Oh yes. the uh,
1: where, where they've got like the demons dancing around, like the babe, like people dressed like babies and... All that stuff like they, they do like so many of these different rituals as, as i believe part of like an occult initiative to get people to believe in like the demonic so that they can through their belief almost like manifest it into the real world and uh it's it's very it's very bizarre to watch it's very it's very very bizarre to watch and it's you know i i apologize to your listeners if they feel like i'm preaching about jesus too much and, and stuff and they feel like i'm a bible thumper but it's like bro, we're up against Satanists and, and Jesus Christ, he's he's the victor over Satan, you know, and, and Christ casts out devils. And I'm, I'm trying to <laughs> cast out some freaking devils in this culture, bro. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, no, I do. I am as well. I, I mean, I'm not, uh, I'm not as like out in front. Like I do just call people demons and try to remind people like Satanists are among us. But again, for me, what I've decided is most productive for what I can bring in this fight against all this it's like action via focusing on Bitcoin to like just rip the power out of their hands
1: which I think is a a fantastic approach I think it's a fantastic approach I I think I think men are most effective when they're like singularly focused on a mission and they drive that as hard as possible you know it's kind of like taking a magnifying glass and putting it under the sun Mm -hmm. and like like concentrating that beam you know once you can concentrate that beam it essentially becomes a laser that can cut through anything
0: yeah so. we're gonna win and it takes like i'm focused on bitcoin you're focused on your divine path it seems the, <laughs> the vehicle um of god to try to really make people aware of this culture war and what's going on and then there's others doing their things that are going to be additive to this and that's why I'm very heads down, get shit done, educate as many people about Bitcoin, build as much stuff in Bitcoin that I can to, to help others either adopt it or realize its potential, invest in companies, building out the infrastructure that is going to bring more people to it. It's, uh, I think that's what I'm best suited for in today's battle that we're in against these demonic kleptocrats.
1: Well, you've got, you've got a well-known name in the space. It seems like you're doing a great job, man. Oh, thank you, sir. Yeah.
0: Stumbled yeah. into this, too. Did you? Yeah, it was almost like Divine Intervention as well, where I didn't even have the idea for this. It was my 26th birthday in Brooklyn. I was unemployed. My dad mom came up to lunch for my birthday, and my dad just incepted in my ear, like, hey, Bitcoin price is running up. You know a lot about it. You should write a newsletter and i wrote the first newsletter like three days later and then it took on a life of its own
1: that's uh that's legit what what year was that 2017 2017. yeah that's that's dope yeah i i I don't i don't know where uh i don't know where god wants to direct my path personally i'm you know i'm 27 turn uh 28 here soon and uh I'm just trying to, trying to follow the signs that he's giving me, you know? And, uh, when I see things like two, two, two on your little ticker there, I'm like, damn, maybe, maybe I'm on the path, bro. (laughs) You know, just going to keep following the steps that, that he puts in front of me and, and, and walking through the doors that he's opening. And, uh, what I'm trying to, what I'm really trying to figure out to do right now is like, where, where am I supposed to direct my attention right now? You know what I mean? Like, it's freaking crazy, dude. Like in the past week, so many doors have opened and I'm like, okay, like, which, which ones am I supposed to walk through? You know? And I'm just like constantly in prayer trying to figure it out. And, uh, it's interesting, man. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to see what God wants to do on, on the path and, uh, you know, how he wants to use all of us.
0: Yeah. Not that I'm wanting to give advice or recommend, but just like create your own. Doors. Hey, I think I'll just, receive keep- it. Just keep doing what you're doing. Um, don't let people co-opt the energy. And that's what like I, yeah. I, th- I think for Bitcoin. Maybe the two 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 in the Bitcoin price, as we're speaking, it's like, hey, maybe we should tell it. Because that's the other thing. Like with the what's the dating podcast that all these clips whatever. came from? Yeah, the whatever podcast. Like I look at that, and I just saw your clip, and then I've seen a couple other clips of. Um, there was that one clip of that girl this week where she was saying "like a lot," and yeah. I imagine the uh, that yeah. audience isn't as like tuned into what's going on with Bitcoin. That's where I think we need to get like Gen Z um, and the younger, the younger generation. Like, hey, things may seem pretty crazy right now. May seem pretty desperate. It may seem like you don't have the best upside potential in your life. But hey, we have this Bitcoin thing here that can really.
1: Turn dude it's it, of that. it's so important like Gen Z especially I, I've been thinking about this recently and this is something God's put on my heart is like they dude they they are the battleground man like that that generation that's like the critical generation in terms of like this whole new world order agenda and like the Marxism and the communism and all that stuff like all these girls I've, I've experienced this personally on the whatever podcast. A lot of the girls that Brian brings on, they're like 18 to 23 because, you know, he, he uses these dating apps to basically, you know, he matches with women and he's like, hey, do you want to come on a podcast to talk about dating and stuff? And a lot of the girls are in that age demographic and they're all of their heads are just completely filled with like Marxism and feminism and all this stuff and like oppression and patriarchy, blah, 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 blah. And uh, <clears throat> like, that's the generation that, you know, the, the, the boys of that generation, a lot of them are pretty demoralized in terms of the future, right? They look at like buying a house and, and being successful in the future. And they're like, dude, I, I don't see how I could do any of this stuff with how the world is, you know, going to shit. And uh, I think for, for, for kids in that generation, especially something like Bitcoin, where it's like, hey, you can, park, you can park the value that you're trying to store in this and become very wealthy in the future and build like a, a good life for yourself that's a message that like almost none of these Gen Z kids have any awareness of. And, uh, it's definitely a demographic that, that we need to reach from a monetary sense, but also from a spiritual and cultural sense. And I've, I've got a lot of hope in the Gen Z boys, dude. There's a lot of Gen Z boys. It like the, it's honestly, it's fascinating. Like they, they're like returning to tradition as like rebellion against the culture. Like they want, they it, it's, it's hilarious. Like, like I talked to all these Gen Z boys on, on Twitter and Twitter spaces. They're super active in the Twitter spaces. And like, they've all got pride in being like incels. Like they call them incels and <laughs> involuntary celibate, but a lot of them are like voluntarily celibate, but they still call themselves incels. Cause they're like, yeah, no, I I'm rejecting like the porn and the degeneracy and all this stuff. Like I'm not, not participating in any of this, you know, I just, I want what's good and what's right and a lot of them are fired up to, uh, combat all this stuff, but they just don't know how yet. And I've got, I've got a lot of hope in, in, in the Gen Z boys.
0: I do as well. I've heard that I've got a good friend with a younger brother. who's like in high school right now. And he he's mentioned that to me, like, yeah, there is this, this growing trend of particularly like 15 to 18 year olds, like fuck this culture. Like, yeah. return. Yeah. And like porn's a big one man porn fucking kills people's minds and that's something yeah. i say on this show a lot too is like stop watching porn like if you are like it's not only does it destroy your mind you're like enabling some terrible shit.
1: yeah and you're you you become a slave to it and i i think it's also like one of the most insidious psyops against like the nuclear family and stuff because if you're like If you're not even married yet, but you're watching porn, like you're just getting your mind filled with like this insane dopamine rush of seeing all these different women having sex and like the, the craziest, most degenerate ways. And your brain becomes less and less sensitive to like just normal sexual interaction. And I think it, I think it's setting a lot of people up for failure from like the marital perspective and, and, uh, it also just like it just like drains your grill, dude, like it, it saps your like life force. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And like, it seems like all of these different things that the elites are doing, it's all geared towards sapping, sapping male life force in particular as much as humanly possible. Because if they can create millions of weak men who have no like fire inside of themselves, you know, then they've essentially won the war without firing a single shot. And Porn is like one of the biggest tools that they use in that way.
0: Yeah. You know? And that's why the meme war is important. Like the Coomer meme is very potent. Yes. Like, do you want to look like this? Yeah. This Coomer. Yeah.
1: yeah, it is. It's, uh, uh, did you, did you see, uh, I just posted earlier today, uh, speaking of like them sapping our vitality and stuff, the latest stratospheric aerosol program like people talk about like chemtrails, tra- chem stratospheric aerosol injections. This, this is not a conspiracy theory. Like you, you, people call it a conspiracy theory, but it's like, dude, the former director of the CIA has, he's literally on record on video saying, yeah, we need to we need to do like stratospheric aerosol injections to uh, manage climate change and all this stuff. And Bill Gates talks about doing it to dim the sun. And the the the, the, the latest one that I saw earlier today, my friend Prodigal on Twitter at Prodigal the third uh there's the this latest stratospheric aerosol program to dim the sun and it's the acronym is literally Satan
0: I saw you tweet that yeah it's insane
1: it's so crazy bro <laughs> it's, it's so, so in it's so in your face
0: I have to be overt with the messaging it's part of being the Satanist yeah, yeah it's
1: like it's like it's like like I feel like they're like mocking us almost
0: they're oh they are around. well because think of the contradiction especially with like Bill Gates in that class of people, they're telling us that we need to transition to wind and solar energy globally, and at the same time, they're talking about blotting out the sun. Like it makes no mm-hmm. fucking sense. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's yeah. Like, it's a it's a humiliation ritual. Like we're gonna make you use this unreliable energy, and then we're gonna blot out the sun. That makes it so you can't even harness it if you wanted to.
1: Hundred <laughs> percent. I, I, I love I love that you're focused on energy because that's honestly that right there is one of the biggest psyops that's so easy to see through if you actually know the facts and uh and but they're getting people you know what I mean are, are you familiar with Alex Epstein
0: yeah yeah I've had him on the show as well I actually have fossil future right here
1: let's go let's go yeah the energy discussion that's that's a big one
0: yeah and that that's the other thing these people are getting so sloppy and I think we're 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 definitely gonna win because like that's another thing we've been fighting for years here before it was cool was ESG um the good thing is like again they're getting sloppy and these things are just collapsing in on themselves like down here in Texas we had the grid failure uh in 2021 uh in California you guys are having rolling blackouts and I think people are beginning to wake up like oh wind and solar is not viable if you want sufficient baseload for, for your society and then with Ukraine in Russia I mean one can make the argument that that war is only possible because Russia realized they had the leverage because Europe was buying all their natural gas because they fucking decommissioned all their nuclear power plants for wind and solar which aren't going to produce enough energy so they need the net gas and that could hold Germany and crew at bay <laughs> as they invaded Ukraine It's like.
1: It's a brilliant plan.
0: Really? It, well, it's a brilliant plan in terms of just taking advantage of what's given to you. It's like, all right, all right Germany, you're going to decommission nuclear power plants for, in favor of wind and solar in a place where it's not good even luck. that sunny. Yeah.
1: yeah, good luck. Who do you think destroyed the Nord Stream pipeline?
0: It was definitely us. Um, us being the US, I think.
1: Yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. The, uh, the, the renewables thing, man, it's just, it's honestly, it's just, it's, it's, it's hilarious to me, especially here in California. It's like, you know, Gavin Newsom, he signed a bill recently saying that by 2035, all new cars sold in California need to be electric. And I'm like, dude, You literally can't even keep the lights on in our state right now as it is with the small amounts of electric vehicles that we have. How on Earth do you plan on producing enough electricity without going all in on nuclear and and hydrocarbon fossil fuel projects? How on Earth do you plan on producing enough electricity to power tens of millions of EVs? It's it's ridiculous.
0: it's logically impo- Like it's impossible. It's <laughs> like the thing. Well, that's, and that's the other thing going back to like narrative battle and what I've been trying to do on this show, which I think has been successful to a certain extent, particularly like beating on ESG is just like highlighting, just holding a mirror up to these people and highlighting their hypocrisy, like, and really walking people through their language, like renewable energy, like it creates this connotation of a perpetual motion machine in people's minds like renewable is just going to constantly renew and we're going to have electricity it's renewable it's perpetual it's not the case like wind turbines and solar panels have life cycles they have maintenance it's not renewable at all uh, they have front ends of their supply chains most importantly that don't use wind and solar they use oil and gas and slave labor and i think that that's been the most potent Tool of reasoning trying to break through the people on wind and solar, specifically on this show, is just holding up a mirror and like you think oil and gas is bad, but you are leveraging Congo, Congolese slave labor to get cobalt out of the ground to get your wind turbines.
1: 40,000 children, 40,000 child slaves that are getting lung diseases from being in these mines and they're dying. And people are like, oh, it's environmentally friendly. It's like, all right, well the mining and extraction process is completely poisoning the earth in the process and your environmentally friendly virtuous ev ha- was built off the blood and sweat of child slaves like yeah you, you feel you feel good about that How? yeah
0: not only in Congo and China the Uyghur slaves are building your solar solar panels they can only do it with their hands And then you just another potent tool is just rejecting the frame like i don't think there's a climate crisis i don't think (laughs) i don't think increase co2 is bad i think it's good for plants i think we should be using more energy it's like particularly with bitcoin mining a lot of bitcoiners like we need to tell everybody that bitcoin mining like uses renewables i'm like no just say i'd like literally lean into like bitcoin mining is going to use more and more energy like it's using a fraction of the total amount of energy it will use in the future that's not a bad thing more power generation is good for humanity and 100%. more co2 for plants uh is good for life on earth and that's not to say so what the climate hysterics really do is conflate co2 emissions with pollution like i think pollution's bad i don't think we should be polluting the earth i don't think we should be wasteful i don't think we should be poisoning any land or water um but this things aren't those things aren't like increased carbon emissions isn't is mutually or not mutually like it, you do not need to have pollution to have increased energy production you can do it in a very efficient way if you're just intentional about it
1: 100 percent, 100 well part of the psyop is that you know like you're saying they've described co2 as a pollutant <laughs> yeah they, they literally <laughs> call it a pollutant it's like bro i breathe co2 are you telling me i'm polluting the earth by breathing you, you know or the I mean? carbon
0: they want to eliminate thats so, yeah
1: facts straight up dude straight up and it's it's honestly so so interesting to me too this, this idea of like increasing co2 being good for the environment like this is something i want to see explored so much more in the culture because are you familiar with like hyperbaric oxygen therapy
0: uh yes i am my dad okay, actually so- did some hyperbaric oxygen therapy last year
1: so for for those who are watching, who aren't familiar with it, hyperbaric oxygen therapy involves sitting inside of like a tank or like a pod or a capsule or whatever. And what they do is they pump multiple atmospheres of oxygen into this chamber. And then, so you're breathing oxygen at a much higher rate than you would just in the world around you. There's w- way more oxygen concentration. And the benefit of this is that it like, speeds up healing processes inside of the body it eliminates disease it's it's incredibly good for you and i look at like this entire agenda that we're up against and i'm like okay they have like you said they have this anti-carbon agenda and we are the carbon that they want to eliminate and it just leaves me wondering okay if plants breathe in co2 and then exhale oxygen and if we radically increased our carbon dioxide emissions could we like slowly over time kind of create like a hyperbaric oxygen chamber effect on the planet? Would would the benefit of that be massively increased, you know, thriving and survival of life on earth? Would there be like a boom in life on earth and and, and our ability to thrive? It seems like it's possible. I mean, it's something I heard Alex Jones say in a podcast a while back. And it's it's like, who who's to say that it wouldn't increase the health and vitality of all life on earth who's to say what if what if that's what they're trying to stop you know what i mean
0: i mean megafauna megaflora were a thing <laughs> that's what it would be a exactly return to, you
1: know. exactly dude I, I was talking to my buddies. this is what got me thinking about all of this i was talking to my buddy's dad and we were talking about how like you know way back in the day in biblical times people lived for hundreds of years and like you had giants and like you just said, you know, megafauna and stuff like this, his theory, he was like, there might've been radically higher oxygen levels on earth at the time to support life like that. And you know, when you, when you look at the basic function of the metabolism of the human body, increased oxygenation and increased metabolism can significantly increase the health of an organism. And, uh, you know, they've got this entire depopulation agenda, which I think is, you know, they, they, they want to make us eat fake meat and, and lower our testosterone levels and all this stuff so that they can create a weak population that they can control. What if radically increased carbon dioxide emissions would create a much stronger uh, humanity? It seems entirely possible. And then, you know, the, when it comes to the renewables and stuff, like it's, it's honestly one of my favorite statistics. When you look at the breakdown of energy production on Earth, Marty, You know, do you know how much energy on earth comes from renewables?
0: It's like less than 2%.
1: Yeah. And, and, and then you've got like nuclear and then you've got the vast majority, about 85% produced by, by hydrocarbons. And it's like, how are you going to replace all of that energy with renewables? You're not, it's impossible.
0: There's not enough rare earth metals on the planet to create the harnessing infrastructure necessary it's literally impossible and the other thing like you mentioned nuclear like nuclear is a smoking gun in this whole debate like it's if you're worried about carbon emissions with your energy production I mean nuclear is the way to go I think and it's the most dense form of energy humans have ever come into contact with like if you are talking about being efficient and um providing utility and and electricity to humans like we should be spinning up as many nuclear power plants as possible But for some reason the climate hysterics tell us we can't do that
1: well their objection is that it's environmentally dangerous because you look at stuff like Chernobyl or the San Onofre nuclear plants you know where they're they're leaking uh radioactive materials and like like pollution and stuff into the environment that's their objection like what, what would you what would you say to that
0: it's overblown i think i think history has shown that like people have dove into these meltdowns and they're pretty isolated and they don't have as massive of effect that people are portraying them to have and then on top of that the from what i understand is the um, like the nuclear power plants the modular reactors of today are much safer and prevent the possibility of meltdown compared yeah. to the ones that were erected in the 70s
1: yeah did you did you ever watch Chernobyl
0: no I figured it was just um, some psyop
1: it was honestly an amazing uh uh little mini series I watched it a couple years ago I, I started watching it and I was like holy smokes like the production value is so it's amazingly produced and uh, but the, the 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 crux of it was that like, this is the theme that they really push throughout the show is that the, the the entire catastrophe was caused not because of, like, inherent flaws in nuclear energy or anything like that. It was created, the catastrophe was caused by the fatal flaws of, of Soviet communism and how everyone was incentivized to lie at every single uh Level of the structure of of, of command, and and those th- that specific reactor that melted down. You know they were running tests on it, and the guy the guy who was in charge of running the test wanted a promotion to the next level in you know the Soviet command structure, and he was told, hey, if you pass this test, you know you'll you'll get the promotion to the next job, and he just really wanted the promotion. And they're running the test and like all of these alarm bells are going off but he's just like impatient to get this promotion and he's like yeah just 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 push forward we're going to pass the test push forward and they push the reactor way beyond where it was supposed to be produced or pushed but they had some i can't remember exactly what it was but they had some sort of mechanism that was like it was it was it was a mechanism in these particular reactors that did not function properly and the people who had produced it had lied about it because of the way communism worked in, in Soviet Russia. And, uh, that was, that was the fatal flaw, but it was, it was a fascinating show. And, uh, it
0: was a managerial crisis.
1: Truly, truly.
0: Yeah. And I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't have said so assertively that like, they're not as environmentally dangerous as possible. But I think back to like Fukushima, I remember, cause I'm a surfer. I remember a lot of the surfers were like posting the, uh, the Pacific water flows like Fukushima of the, the toxic water flowing from uh, the coast of Japan, like through Hawaii into like the West Coast, and there was a lot of like, do- like doomsday rhetoric around that particularly, and like nothing happened. And <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anything bad came of
1: it. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I feel like I mean. You know, compared to like shitty Soviet reactors in the 70s, like I can only imagine in in the past 50 years, we've probably advanced so far beyond that, but people who fundamentally everything comes down to energy. And if you can reduce energy and you can reduce people's access to energy, you can control the world because energy allows people to thrive. And when people are thriving and they're strong and you have strong economies, it's extremely difficult to control them. And, uh, you know, nuclear is one of those things that I want I want to learn a lot more about the safety of it, uh, because, you know, I want to cut through the narrative. If it it is truly safe, I want to be able to cut through the narratives of like, Hey, this is environmentally dangerous because I can't imagine that reactors that are being produced today have anywhere near the safety concerns that they've had in the past.
0: I would agree. Um,
1: like when was, when was Fukushima produced? I'm not sure.
0: I'm not sure. Um, yeah, you can do it smarter. Maybe don't put a nuclear power plant on the coast. I mean, we're on a fault line like <laughs> keep it
1: <laughs> pretty keep it basic stuff up. yeah
0: yeah um yeah I think we're gonna go back to like energy like you one can make the argument like maybe if there's one thing more important than money it's cheap abundant energy so that you can be productive right. and make I mean Bitcoin is backed by energy to a certain extent you can't produce the hashes without electricity and make everything go around
1: yeah we need Ener- we need we need economies and countries and people with access to as much energy in all of its forms as humanly possible, coming from you know things like nuclear and, and hydrocarbons, but also coming from the sun. Not dimming out the sun or yeah. food supply, having access to red meat, which is filled with nutrients that cause human beings to thrive. And uh, what, what do you think of the uh, like the beef Bitcoin movement? Are you uh, pretty bullish on that?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I've had slim you, your on
1: developments in that state.
0: I've had Slim on many times I I buy half cattle at a time in Bitcoin um from the rancher here in Austin shout out C. shout out Cole um
1: yeah is there a pretty decent industry building in, in that that space
0: it's good net network I mean the industry is already there right it's just educating the ranchers about Bitcoin and saying hey you have this um population of people, particularly Bitcoiners who want to buy your beef and want to support you with Bitcoin. They don't always accept Bitcoin, but that's, I think there's been intention amongst a group of Bitcoiners. You you can't use the broad brush label of a Bitcoiners. Everybody has Bitcoiners, many different types, but there's definitely um, a a movement within Bitcoin circles to go shake your rancher's hand, lock down a quarter cow, half cow get your freezers load up get away from the soy slop
1: Essential, bro
0: yeah Chase my uh my wife is ringing me off the hook I think she's yearning for me to come home not yearning um but she probably is yeah the kids are uh yeah she should probably my youngest has to go to bed in like an hour I should get home and see
1: cool. him marty i was i was honored to uh to come on thank you for inviting me and uh let me ask you is there anything you could use prayer for
0: uh always um no i I wouldn't say for me particularly but just like i pray for bitcoin to succeed maybe pray for me to
1: i'm talking you specifically how do you how do if the God of the universe could move in your life help you accomplish anything you're 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 trying to do what would it be
0: um be the best father that I can be okay that uh always trying to be a better father always recognizing when I fall short maybe don't pay or when I fall short I notice it irks me when I fall short as a father um, very busy, do a lot of work, do a lot of different things, podcasts, the fun stuff, the mining, need to be more present.
1: All right. You got it, bro. Thank on you, that note, on that note, go be a good dad and go home. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> See, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, ah, oh, shit, I got to get home and play with the kids.
1: Yeah. Well, dude, it was, it was fantastic talking to you. Thank you so much for having me on, man. And I'll it's, my,
0: that. it's my pleasure Where working. Uh, the freaks find out more about you.
1: Uh, just follow me on Twitter at sovereign bra, no underscores, no, anything like that. Just at, at sovereign bra, probably gonna build a website here at some point soon. I've just been bottlenecked by work and caring for my grandmother and got a special, special lady I'm building a relationship with. So been, uh,
0: well, I'll pray, I'll pray for that. That it's a fruitful relationship that brings you some kids
1: please do man this this girl is amazing and uh i'm I'm ready to move heaven and earth to uh to be with her she's located across the country and uh, i'm currently in the courtship process but uh (laughs) yeah i'm uh i I need i need god to clear a path for that relationship and uh yeah prayer for that could be awesome
0: we'll pray for that you go enjoy your friday afternoon we're gonna win
1: we're gonna win we're gonna win people i believe we're gonna win follow me on twitter at sovereign Bra. My friends, make sure to follow Marty Bent on Twitter. Fantastic, dude. We're going to win.
0: That's what we got today, freaks. Peace and love.